What's up, Active Lifers? Welcome back to another episode of The Guest Show on the Active Life Podcast. I'm Dr. Sean Pestuch. I'm your host, and today's guest is a second-time guest. It's Marcus Philly, the owner and founder of Revival Strength and Functional Bodybuilding. Uh, today's conversation was really cool. It was a light, easy, just genuine conversation between two guys talking about how uh, COVID life has affected them personally and professionally. Uh, I learned some cool stuff from Marcus, and I think that it will be a generally enjoyable conversation for you to listen to that you might be able to pull some pearls out of around how you're being intentional in your life, the things that you can do better, and how you can maximize the time that you're spending doing the things that you're doing and be more thoughtful about it instead of just doing things because you've always done them. Let's get you to Marcus. We're going to get to the show in a minute. What I want to talk about first is the new Active Life Enhanced Assessment. We've been getting a lot of questions from you about what do I do when it bothers my knee when I squat, but not when I do anything else. And you're not necessarily ready to work with us as a one-on-one client, and we totally understand that. We've gotten hundreds of questions just like the one I just said. My knee hurts when I do this. What should I do about it? And the honest answer is always it depends, and we need to ask many more questions to give you the best answer. We decided that the best way for us to help you with the thorough answer to those questions is to develop a product, a service that can help you. So we came up with the Active Life Enhanced Assessment. This is a four-day process in which you go through the similar assessment to what our one-on-one clients go through. You get to talk to one of our staff members about what it is that they found on your assessment, and they will give you instruction on how to overcome the aches and pains that have been plaguing you for a long time without going to the doctor or missing the gym, if it's appropriate for you to do that. So if you're interested in jumping into our Active Life Enhanced Assessment, go ahead, check out the link in the story notes, the show notes, excuse me, and we'll see you there. Welcome back, Marcus. Thanks, John. You're welcome. So we have Marcus Philly back on the Active Life Podcast. It's it's not a it's not a common thing to be a two time guest. So oh really? Oh, feather, that feels good. Yeah, feather in the cap, man. <laughs> feather in my man so, bun. That's it. That's. It. <laughs> I think it takes a special kind of guy to be able to pull off a man bun and not have people be like, "That guy's got a man bun." I think, I think there's it. plenty of people that say that <laughs> they, I, they uh, might, but I, I mean, it's, it's been a very, this is, this is going to disappoint people, but it was like, it's not, there's it not been a lot of thought to this. It was like started growing the hair out because I had a dream of having long hair once. And I got, I like, had this like stretch of time where like, I was just starting to like, I was like a coach and didn't care about anything. I was a coach athlete. I wasn't trying to like date anybody. And I happened to like, start a relationship with a girl that I don't like my hair being a little longer. So I'm just like, Oh, you have to go through that awkward stage to get to long enough hair. And she didn't mind it. And I certainly had no, I didn't care. So I got through it, got the long hair. And then I was like, Whoa, this is amazing. It's so simple to take care of your hair. When you have long hair, I just put it in a pony every day. I don't comb it, wash it. Like I don't need to do anything. This is still, and it's like, it was my dream come true. Like I never looked at another thing, a product again. And was like, I'm going to dial my hair this way. I did all that in high school and college. And it was like, it just never paid off. So then I went with the pony and then 
And then the, I was pulling the pony really tight in the back. I started having like cervical spinal issues and neck stuff. And I was like, man, I got to get this. I think I got too much tension back there. So I moved it up to the top knot. And I thought, wow, this feels so much better on my body. Okay, I'm just a top knot man bun kind of guy. And that was it. <laughs> so right now, you just made like three groups of people wildly envious of you. The first group is women who have long hair. My wife orders her shampoo. I think it's like $80 for like two months supply of her shampoo whenever she orders it. And I mean, she's not listening to this. There's no way my wife's going to listen to this show. She doesn't have my voice at home, so it's okay. We can trash talk her. Um, but like to hear no product, she would be wildly jealous. Um, you took, I mean, you just put half the chiropractors in the world out of business. All you gotta do is put your hair up. Yeah. Neck pain goes away. <laughs> the pain, the <laughs> neck pain that you have, just stop doing a ponytail. Just go straight up. Yeah. And, and men who are trying way too hard to keep their women happy, you just, you just blew their minds. Yeah. All I gotta do is what they want. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So great. nice job. So, you're coming at us from the studio in your home slash yeah. laundry room in your home. And you said that since COVID started and you've been locked out and we'll talk about being locked out of the gym, uh, there are some wild things that you've done while on zoom calls. <laughs> We're going to go right there. Oh Why yeah. Not? There have been some wild, wild things, you know? Um, let's, we'll, I'll keep it like, I'll give some details, but you know, there's, the bathroom's on the other side of the house, let's put it this way. And, you know, sometimes these calls, they, they get going a little longer than I would uh, anticipate. And, you know, I have a healthy stream of, of coffee in the morning. So there ends up having to be maybe a, there's been one of those types of situations that have come up where I've had to relieve myself on a Zoom call, but I don't think anybody's noticed. And yeah. um, do, you, do you mute yourself? Do I, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a delicate, like, I got to mute. I got to, like, don't do too much shifting. I don't want people to think that something else might be going on down there. Right, right, uh, right. right now. The Jeffrey Tubin style stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it's all in the in the spirit of keeping the conversation and the moment alive. I don't want to break the energy of the conversation because I got to go pee. I mean, come on. Oh, I get it. I, I have, I've taken phone calls into the bathroom and timed the flush based on like, I finished saying something mute flush. Yeah. You're going to talk. You know, wash, yes. Let them talk. I'm listening. Wash my hands, get out of the bathroom in time. Like, all right, great. Yeah. We, yeah. we got it done. Yeah. Well that's yes, I mean, I, a phone call. It's like, that's like junior varsity because you're, there's no video. <laughs> Zoom is like, that, you gotta be really true. delicate with that one. Well, I, I'll tell you a funny Zoom story or a Google meet story, whatever it would be. My wife is a teacher mm-hmm. and she's teaching, online right now. And last week or two weeks ago, I don't remember what it was. Uh, she was teaching at home and she was sitting on the floor in the bedroom and I'm, I'm at home in the morning. So I was, I work out and then I come upstairs, I take a shower and then I go into the bedroom to get changed. And I came in the bedroom and I was just like, I gave her like this, you know, the, the finger, like, you know, turn, turn your computer screen. I'm about to get changed and it's yeah. okay for you to see me naked, but not for your kids to see me naked, your students. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, oh yeah. So she turns the computer, drop down, take my clothes off, start getting dressed. And she mutes herself and starts talking to me. And one of the kids is like, 
hey, Miss Pastuch, uh, you're on mute. And she unmutes and she's like, I know, I'm sorry. I was, I was talking to my husband. He's in the room. And the kid's like, oh, yeah, I know. I can see him in the mirror. <laughs> Meantime, I, I'm, I'm butt-ass naked. <laughs> and she teaches high school. Oh, so we were like, it's, it's a miracle that all of these, like they're probably so zoned out right now that they were just like, yeah, there's a naked guy in the room. Like it's Tuesday. Oh my God. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I guess technically that means I got cut from the varsity team, right? Like I didn't do well on zoom. You were, yeah. Wow. That was, that's, that takes the cake for sure. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I wasn't. My intention was not in any way, shape, or form to be Johnny Topper on that one. I just thought you would enjoy the story. I did enjoy that a lot. I certainly did. Perfect. So, um, I've noticed your content has been consistent as always. There's there's always seems to be a handsome guy with his shirt off doing exercise that makes me want to work out on your Instagram. All right. But if but it's no longer at a gym. It's now in your backyard. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's an that, accurate that representation. That yes. is. Yeah. I think the full, the full, the full, the full shift happened in probably April or May, you know, we kind of uh, exhausted our content that we had from the gym. Plus a lot of it wasn't really relevant to people that didn't have access to gyms. It's like Marcus doing bar muscle ups and snatches, right. you know, at the, at, at a headquarters didn't really resonate with somebody who's on lockdown. Um, so yeah, we, I think as most people in this industry, many different industries, you know, the period of April through July was some of the most inventive, innovative, hardworking, hustling, you know, months maybe of your whole entire career. Um, and maybe we'll never be top. <laughs> like I got to figure out what to do. So that a lot of things fell into place to make that happen um, during that time. Uh, but just being at home, you know, moving some of my, my equipment that I had in my garage, my, I don't even have a garage. I have like a, a big storage closet. That was an old garage. Um, equipment that had been in there for basically two years that hadn't been touched. Cause I never worked out at home. And then suddenly I was like, I need to use this. And I hate working out in my driveway because everyone can see me. I'm like, I want to go in the, like, obviously I let everyone see me on Instagram, but like, I don't want my neighbors to like see me, mm-hmm. you know, flexing and being like, half naked it's just weird so i was like i gotta bring this in the backyard and fortunately we have this great backyard space that we put some money into a few years ago to like make it playable for the kids and we all never played out there and then it was like oh we're now playing out here every day and daddy's got his workout equipment mommy's got her workout equipment where we're all just like using the space and making the most of it and um, i used to be fortunate to have a media, uh, like a full-time media, uh, employee that was taking videos and photos of me. Um, she left early on in the year, uh, 2020, she like moved back to New York and was no longer around. And so we had a plan. We had like content built up from working with her that we were going to use. She moves away. Pandemic hits. Everyone's doing home workouts. I'm like, what? None of this content works. Mm-hmm. Like I have to suddenly, now figure out how to do it on my own. And so I picked up a camera and just started like filming myself. And, um, yeah, it was a process of getting, you know, new content in the backyard. That's where I was working out anyway, making it fit the flow, keep it simple. 
upgrade some, you know, media equipment as I went. And um, now it's, uh, it feels like it's a really good rhythm to be in to produce consistent stuff, which is what you said to start with. It's like, it's about being, it's about being consistent. It's about showing people, you know, the, the message over and over and over again in the simplest terms possible with anything that draws their eye in, you know, the, the backyard was eye catching, the, the, the nice tan was eye catching, you know, being, mm-hmm. you know, having low body fat is eye catching. Like yeah. not that these are things that I like, <laughs> I didn't go tanning and do that on purpose, but it, it, it helps for sure. Yeah. Well, how old are your kids, Marcus? They're four and two. Four and two. I have a four and two year old as well. Yeah, I think we've discussed this in the past where it's like the same age as this. Yeah, I have one. I have have a six-year-old who thinks that she's like 24. But then we have a four-year-old who is effectively – like the way I describe it is we have a – I love all of my kids. So let me just preface by saying that as I'm about to describe them in in, in lovingly derogatory ways. Um, We have a a little bit of a pretentious six-year-old who is – she's smart and – really funny, not super athletic and not super durable. <laughs> then we have a four-year-old who is our cave woman. Like she's, she's empathetic as can be. She makes everybody laugh and she loves everything and everyone loves her. She's hilarious. And she just like will say and do the weirdest things and bang her head on. Like every night my wife and I hear her slam her head into the wall by accident when she's sleeping. And, and nothing. Yeah. And then we have a two year old who is like intentional psychopath. Like she, I want milk. You want milk? Okay. Here's milk. I know I want apple juice. You want apple juice? No, I want shake. Okay, okay. Okay. I want you to hold me, hold her, not put me down. So, you know, and, and, and I get to go to an office. I can't imagine working from home with that all the time as much as I love my kids. So praise to you. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was intense for for about four or five months, and then we we got a little bit of relief, um, which was in the form of my my parents that kind of helped us out, and then we got even more relief when daycares opened up again or preschools opened up again. So it's mm-hmm. kind of climbing out of the of yeah. the deficit that was you know the middle of the year. Well, so um, where'd your media person move to? I'm in New York. I always need people in to shoe fitness. Wait, say that again. What was it? The, the media girl who moved. Where did she move to in New York? Oh, where did she move to? She's out in, um, I think she's living in Brooklyn. No, she's living in, um, some, no, not Brooklyn. She's living in one of the out, outer boroughs, but she's, uh, she was, uh, she's actually grew up around here and she's, um, now doing a lot of freelance work, more, uh, like other media production stuff, not, not necessarily fitness. I think I just saw her do some like contract work for NC fit out there for one of their gyms. But, um, yeah, her name is Gita Larson. She was great. She was an awesome, uh, addition to our team. She was out here on the West coast after film school out there working for super training, Mark Bell. And then Mm -hmm. she wanted to not have to commute an hour and a half to Sacramento every day. And we were like in her backyard. So she linked up with us. Yeah. So, so, all right, let's, We'll, we'll find Ida and we'll find some freelance work for her here too. I'm sure we, we always need another camera in the room. Um, you have a pretty unique situation in that you own a brick and mortar, own a brick and mortar, currently own, 
in Northern California or middle California, would you call it? Yeah, people here call it Northern California, even though it's middle of California. San okay, Francisco right, like, and they, North, everything's north of like, I don't even know. LA. Like, basically <laughs> north of Santa Barbara, you're like getting into Northern California territory. Right. Um, and you own a successful online business. And right now there's all this chatter around like, you need to go online, you need to go online, you need to go online, you need to go online. Uh, you're fortunate you were already there. But um, you're closed now for nine months, which to me is, by the way, pardon my French, fucking crazy. Like the, the process, uh, like we talked about before, trust the process until you realize that the process is broken and then you're just banging your head against the wall looking for different results, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what do you say to people out there right now who are like, yeah, I got to take my brick and mortar online, but have no ability or no idea how to do that? Yeah, I don't envy being in that position, you know, at all. It's uh, uh, originally, I think if I go really far back, it was like have a brick and mortar and then online service offerings were a way of kind of just enhancing the stuff that we were doing in person. So it was like, I've got a CrossFit gym and I'm going to take on some individual design clients and I work with like 20 people outside of my area. So that was like, that way I could scale a little bit. I could reach more people, but it was essentially a similar service, you know, just sort of same thing I was offering to some people locally. Um, And, you know, having that foundation in like a brick and mortar, you know, by that was the foundation of the business, I suppose. And then being able to kind of experiment online meant that there was not a lot of like high stakes. Like I didn't have high stakes of like, if I, tried to do this online program or I tried to do this offer and it didn't work like, well, we were still doing okay over here versus somebody who's in the position now where it's like brick and mortar went belly up essentially. And now it's like, I got to restart and I'm going to do it in a whole new way that I've never done before. You're now you're feeling the pressure, the financial pressures, the emotional career pressures to get things going while having to navigate making a ton of mistakes because you just have to make mistakes when you're starting stuff out. Um, so that, that's probably, you know, 10 out of 10 on the stress scale and not the, Hmm. not the best place to make sound decisions, you know, not the best place to like, to figure out good systems, just sort of like patchwork stuff. It kind of reminds me of like early CrossFit box days where it was like, let's open the doors. We're CrossFit box. We've got, hundred people overnight. We're just going, we're doing it. And it's like, you look back three years later, you're like, Whoa, we had horrible systems. We don't even have anything that's working. And that's cause you're in that fire of like, I got to go, 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 go. I got to just keep up with the, the energy that is around me. Um, so I, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough place to be in. Um, as a, as a business, I think that many people are under the assumption or the belief that, Hey, we're maybe six months out from being able to really honestly invest in into brick and mortar again and like see a resurgence of that part of the fitness industry where, you know, okay, there's going to be more of the economy is going to open up. We're going to be back in the summer. There's going to be much lower disease transmission because vaccinations will have reached this many people, whatever. Right. But like they're seeing that in the future and like, okay, what do I do between now and then? If you've got zero online stuff in January and you've got April, May, June, July, you know, with this upward trajectory, hopefully to the end of the year where you're going to be able to revitalize your 
online, I mean, your brick and mortar business, then it's like, I don't think it's about transitioning whole wholesale to, you know, an online business. I think it's get your ducks in a row so that when you, when the market is looking for places to come and be part of a community and train in person, you're the best thing out there. You've mm-hmm. shored up your issues. You've got the nicest facility. You put a little bit of time and investment into making your facility look and feel better. And, you know, you've buttoned up on some of your intake skills and your business systems are better. And your marketing systems are better so that you can actually attract those people into your, into your service. And that you, at that point, it's like, okay, we're back into the brick and mortar. We've got a good client base again. Keep it on your vision board that by the end of 2021, I need to have an online or a virtual aspect of my business, whether it's just an upsell to people that come to the brick and mortar, or if it's targeted at people that don't come to your brick and mortar, you need to start to find a way to have like a, an alternative revenue source that doesn't just rely on the one-to-one face-to-face or group fitness thing model. And I think that that's a, that's a realistic strategy for somebody. Hey, over the course of this next year, develop something small for yourself because yeah, there's going to be big players that come in and try and just like grab the whole market share of the fitness industry with, you know, apps and tech stuff, but it's ultimately not going to be the case. No, I wrote an article today and this will date it for when it comes out. Um, asking the question is the battle quote battle between brick and mortar fitness and digital fitness the modern day version of the tortoise and the hare where it's, you know, all the animals lost to the hare. The hare just beat everybody in the race over and over and over again. And it became so comfortable and so arrogant that it could beat all of the other animals in the race that when the turtle challenged it, it didn't even take it as a real challenge. And it was, it was a head and then it took a nap and it fell into a deep sleep and the turtle beat it to the end of the race. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and my belief is that today digital fitness is the hair. It's smashing everybody and the gyms who do what you just described, which is try to race the way that the hair would race, you know, go to an online brand and, and try to compete on service. You're going to get smashed. Mm -hmm. And then when they open back up and they just try to be convenient, you're going to get smashed. You're not as convenient as, you know, so a lot of the animals, are going to continue to lose to the hair, but the tortoise who knows what they do, refines it, does it well, targets on a viable niche and a valuable problem. Mm-hmm. They'll be fine. And it's not a race really. It's, it's, there's room for both. But, um, you said something earlier that I, I, I meant to touch on and didn't, would you have ever thought like imagine a world before the, the pandemic when we were dealing with the stresses of that world. And if someone said to you something like, you got to buy something that's going to cost you $25,000, dollars to make your business go. A lot of people probably would have been like, I can't afford that. That's crazy. I would go out of business. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, how many thousands of dollars does the pandemic cost gyms yeah. in that same time period? And they're still technically open and viable. It's just, it's just, it's to me, it's a testament of adapt adaptation if you're down to do it. Yeah. So I have, there's a question for you in here somewhere. I'm rambling. I'm going to get to it. Oh, no, um, you. You're so good at creating content, being on camera. 
um, and bringing value to people's lives online. Do you think it's going to cost you energy that you're not interested in expending to get back to in person, the monotony of the day to day grind dealing with people in, in person? Uh, the short answer, yes. And I want to just like then go into more of a qualifier of all that because, um, part of, out of respect to the people that I've worked with personally and in person and and at our gym, um, it's like those relationships and that, that experience as a, as a coach is what has given me the, you know, it's, that's the foundation of how I've grown into being an effective communicator and teacher in the online space you know my eight mm-hmm. years or seven years or six years of group fitness coaching where i stood in front of people and i tried to teach them every day that made me good at standing in front of a camera and talking to a group of people that i could just see as like a class in front of me right um individual design clients that i still work with like they still mean a lot to me i learn a lot from them but it all has to come in, in like it's all in the context of like, okay, how is this feeding the, the bigger vision of what I'm trying to, what we want to create as a company and what makes us viable, right? It's like, I, I would love to be able to do this. Okay, but what are we actually doing? What pays the bills? What serves the bottom line for coaches, staff, employees, owners, and clients, right? It's like just knowing what really makes the whole thing work. And um, that has gotten super clear. So the investment into the brick and mortar that I was very, very deeply, you know, committed to with, it it took the pandemic to have it shut down. Like these were feelings that I knew were there, but then it was like, it was gone. It was like, whoa, that was a big, that was a big energy, you know, draw in my life. Like it, it pulled a lot of energy. I got energy from it, but it pulled more than it, than what I think it was like adding back to the the sum total of my life, my coaches' lives, and our business. And when I, when 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 I look at it that way, I'm like, that's not how I would define success in a business approach. When you remove something and you've got seven out of eight people who are in that business model who are like, whew, yeah, it's kind of nice to not have that. That's <laughs> a problem, you know? Yeah. Which speaks to just more of like, not like, we don't like coaching people because we're all still coaching people. It's like, what is it about that model that is, I don't know. It's like going back to like the CrossFit gym model. It's like burnt out everybody, like owners and coaches alike. Like nobody really thrived in that for decades, you know, or, or years. It was like a couple of years. I'm like, man, I can't do this anymore. And so well, that, that's, I'm sorry. sorry, go ahead. Jump in. No, no, no. I, I thought you were done. I don't want to jump in yet. Keep going. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, um, as I'm thinking about like, how do I, how would I want to reinvest and re-engage into the, the, uh, brick and mortar in-person facility, it's going to be a more hands-off. It's going to be a lot more hands-off. It's going to be about creating a space where people can come and express themselves physically under the guidance of good program design and great equipment and a nice space. But if you want coach, coach, coaching in person, you're going to pay the premium. If you want to come and be part of a community and get good design and get this model that we have now, which is just essentially like, you know, online program delivery or, 
which could be custom or a group model. Either way, you can go get the custom program for yourself or you can get kind of the group template either way. If you want to just come and use that and, and do it in a communal space, we have an option for that. Yeah, it might not, it's a different price point and, you know, you pay the membership fee to come and use it. And that could be a great way to build a structure, but over promising how much personal connection that client is going to get with you is I think the, that's the variable that in the brick and mortar fitness industry, people have just like, well, I've got this thing. So I'm going to, I'm going to play that hand. I'm going to play personal connection. I'm going to play FaceTime. I'm going to play the, you get to see me all the time card. That's what's going to get you in. And that is a very, very finite, you know, resource that you have. That is what's killing people. So when my coaches, myself and other people who went and like weren't, they didn't have that for a period of time, like, whoa, I can kind of structure my own schedule. I'm doing Zoom sessions with people. But then in between Zoom sessions, I'm like chilling on my own. I'm at my house. No one's watching me. I could have my pants off underneath this Zoom call. No one knows. Like there's freedom to that as a, as a, as a fitness professional. They're like, whoa, I don't have to be in the gym for 10 hours straight. Even if I was only doing six PT sessions, 10 hours were with people. And that was, that was just, I couldn't do anything productive in those other four hours. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and if, if you're not in the fitness industry and you're listening to this, just think about like, if you had somebody watching you every hour of your nine hours that you're at your job in a day, how like, like that's just so that's relentless. That's so tiring. Right. And that's what being in a gym is like for a coach. Yeah. I look at coaching well as being akin to being in the performance arts field. You're, you're, you're putting on a show at every moment and engaging with the audience at the show every moment of every show and the difference between showing up on a stage, not that I have experience. So this is like mansplaining an actor, I guess, but whatever my perspective Mm -hmm. is you get to go on stage, say your lines, do your improv, whatever it is, and hope that the audience enjoyed it. The audience doesn't get a chance to stand up and say, Hey, that line wasn't believable. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you have to say, um, okay, would you, uh, let me do it differently. Hey, the lighting is tough over here. Okay. Um, can we move that light from back? It's performance art with a live actionable audience. And that's tiring. I made a post recently that was, um, my belief that is fitness professionals at a minimum should be able to earn $50,000 a year working 25 floor hours a week and 35 total hours a week. And the amount of, oh, for 50 weeks a year, five zero. It ends up working out to like $29 an hour, which I don't think is crazy. In fact, I think it's low, but it's, we're thinking nationwide. The amount of people who rained hate on that post and talked about, I'm a nurse and I don't even make that much. I'm a teacher. I don't even make that much. I'm a cop. I don't even make that much. It was crazy. Cause I'm like, well, first of all, why can't you both make that much? Like, why, why does it have to be, they yeah. can't. Right. And I just don't think that people outside of fitness understand quite how difficult the job is mm. to be a great coach in a great gym. Yeah. Gosh, well, 
yeah, I mean, as you say that, it's like I could just totally go back on a lot of the very you know, passionate words I just chose to speak a moment ago and be like, well, God, was, was that insensitive to like the teacher or the ICU nurse or the police officer, or, you know, whoever is out there. It's like, I, I'm really, you know, just we're, we're, narr- we're, we're, t- we're talking, you know, about what we do. Um, and, and we're in this, you know, many of us got into the fitness industry before the age of social media and before really like internet exercising was the big thing. And, um, it was like, I'm going to just work with people and really help them get healthier and, um, lead a better life. You know, it's, it's a, it's a noble profession. You know, I, I, I truly believe that. And I, I think there's some people that got into it later, you know, in recent years that maybe aren't in it for the same reasons, but, um, we'll leave that out of the conversation. And, uh, mm-hmm. I also don't, I don't mean to like, I can, we can sit here and say like this, these aspects of the, of the job are challenging. And I don't mean to say that your job is not challenging, whatever you're doing out there. There's plenty of things that are way more noble and way more challenging than teaching people how to squat. But I do think that there's, you know, tremendous power in, in this, in this field to change people's lives for the better. And none of it works if the people that are teaching it are churning out, can't make a living and are, you know, getting burned out on coaching. That's where the whole thing dies. And that's where, you know, it, it gives room for the kind of non-effective lies of like fitness fads to just sort of fill the entire market. Like, because the really good coaches and the really effective coaches are the ones that were in it for the right reasons, they burned out and they are not doing it anymore. And so you had to turn to the next thing. And once you got ping ponged around enough looking for a good fitness approach, you landed on, you know, whatever boot camp, you know, gimmick thing that might not boot camp gimmick, but gimmick fitness gimmick that's out there. Right. Um, well, yeah, it, it's, it's, you're right. And, and I don't think that you did say anything that was insensitive to any of those spaces. And I think the only way it could be taken that way is if people look at it as a finite pie. And it's like, well, if, if you take more of the pie, then that means that there's less of the pie for me, which, which isn't, it's not true at all. Mm. I mean, if you, if you go super macro, I guess technically it is, but the amount of the pie that is being taken by an individual in a space is so negligent compared to the size of the pie that it, it, it doesn't function that way at all. Mm. <clears throat> and what I, what, I, what I find most interesting about that conversation always is how quickly people in general go to defend the work that they're doing as valuable by comparing the amount of money that they earn from it and mm-hmm. suggesting that to say that these, these people in this space should make this much money is to suggest that they are more valuable than this space that I work in, which mm-hmm. is not at all what the conversation is about. Um, but I appreciate you going down that, that hole with me, you know, so you mentioned that seven out of eight people, and you might've just been making it up, but the idea of that, the majority of your coaches and you love coaching, you're still coaching when the state said, we're going to close gyms for two weeks, nine months ago. (laughs) Um, (laughs) everybody was like, well, you know what this, I could get used to this It's not that bad. I think people are underestimating 
the amount of work that the, those people who when I say those people, those of you out there listening who are still functioning digitally, who are not able to get back to your brick and mortar full time at the time of the release of this show, I think that there might be some um, miscalculating how much energy it required to be there live in person. And there might be some nostalgia for what there used to be without true remembrance for what there used to be. And one of my concerns is people going right back into that business, guns blazing, and then 30 days later being like, what the fuck yeah. hit me? Yeah. And I think that's, that's kind of what I was saying um, when you were like, well, how, how do you, what do you say to people that just are like, you got to go all online right now? And I'm like, well, don't go all online necessarily, like just because that's what somebody else told you to do, because you're going to run into a whole another set of problems, you know, get ready for like the resurgence of your brick and mortar business, but then start to be strategic about like, how do you, how do you add service or add customer, you know, add value to your customers in ways that don't require more of your in-person time. And you can scale a little bit with online service offerings so that you don't, like bombard yourself with that grind again, right? That you can preserve some of this, whatever sense of maybe, I don't know if freedom's the right word, but this sense of like, you have a little bit more control over your life and schedule to, to operate as a, you know, in the fitness industry in the way that you have during maybe some lockdowns or some slower, you know, uh, uh, shutdown times in, during the pandemic. Um, and I, I think you're right. Like, and that's true amongst my coaches. I mean, it's interesting. Like, of my coaches, we've got a few that are like, I don't, I don't know if I'm ever going to be ready to go back to a, being in the facility. And then some that are like, God, I, I just can't wait to get back to it. And then some that are like, I think I'm going to be like a fifty-fifty kind of person. And they're like, not sure, but, um, but there's now starting to be some sense of like, man, I guess I just miss it. You know, it's been long enough that they don't even they don't remember exactly what it felt like to be there day in and day out. They just, they know that they're getting a little cooped up in mm-hmm. January, 2021 when it's been raining for the last five days. And like, God, I wish we were all at the gym, just like getting after it. Yeah. I think that, uh, the message you're, you're relaying is, is a good one. And, and gym owners and coaches should heed it if they're still at home or getting ready to go back into work. And, I think you need to look at going back to work in person very much like the member who joins the gym in January who hasn't joined the gym in the last seven months or year or ever, but decided I'm going to come back because it's January. And then you see them five days in a row and you're like, Oh, this dude's going to, this dude's going to be gone in three weeks. And Think of that as yourself and give yourself the grace to come back in at a pace that allows you to, to reindoctrinate yourself to the, the workload, the energy requirements and all that kind of stuff. I think that's, that's a smart message that you're delivering. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like, and that's kind of the strategy that we had in place for our facility um, that we were considering. Now, again, I know that we're in a, as a company, we're in a position to make some decisions like this because we have a, you know, we have a revenue stream coming in through online coaching that allows us to sort of have flexibility. But it was like, okay, we used to, let's say, have 21 available hours. No, it was more like 40 available hours every week for people to come and train. We were staffed, staffed floor schedule for 40 hours a week. 
Um, I'm like, okay, well, we'll come back at like, you know, 25% of that. We'll have, we'll have 10 floor hours a week that are scheduled and I'll put in, I'll install the key code on the door and we'll let our, our members have access to the facility during these other hours to come in whenever they want. And that's how we'll run the business for a period of time. So they can come get some FaceTime with a coach. Some of the coaches that want to coach on the floor can do that. We'll be honest about like, this is the service. I mean, like once you decide this is the service that you're offering, then you can sell it and you'd be like, Hey, I feel confident that you can get a great fitness experience through this, right? Cause all of our clients were running an individual design facility, not a group fitness facility. So every client that came in had a program anyway. We were adding this bonus of like, you're going to come in any time of the day to do your workout. There's always going to be a coach on the floor to kind of essentially guide you through a personalized program, right? Mm -hmm. And now it's like, okay, you're going to come in and you can do it on your own and use this awesome facility and connect with your friends. And on these special hours of the day, there'll be a coach there to kind of give you those extra tips and watch your form and, and help you and kind of facilitate that community vibe. And isn't it that amazing? Was like, isn't it am- Go ahead. Isn't it amazing what that space allows you to recognize? Like we just did this because we did it, right? Like we we didn't we didn't actually decide like this is the best business model both for right. revenue for the members and for the morale of the staff. We just did it because it, we did it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny. It's like you know I, I you know I've been like uh, an OPEX guy for a lot of years, and you know Jim Kroll was. Uh, good friend and a mentor to me when he was at OPEX and James Fitzgerald. And, you know, one of their taglines was always like, you know, it's got to be good for the business, for the coach and for the client. Like everyone has to win. Otherwise it's just not a good model. So I've always thought Mm -hmm. that, right. I've always believed that. (laughs) But like, it was like my, my, my blinders were still really on, you know, it was like, I wasn't really seeing, okay, is this really the best for everybody involved? And how are we going to like shake this up and, you know, that's one of those, and this is like a theme, a bigger theme for like life in general, but like pandemic, March 16th, 2020, I'm like forever grateful for hitting in a sense because it shook up uh, a stream of, I'm just doing this because I've always done it in Mm -hmm. every aspect of my life, how I interact with my kids and my wife, how I take care of my body, how I move, how I exercise, how I eat how I run my business, how I like everything, how I interact with my parents. Like it's just, you know, and, and so I think if, uh, if we can, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm an acceptance of that. Like it's, it's come with tragedy and it's come with heartache for a lot of people. And like, but it, it would be a disservice to all of the heartache and the tragedy to not take a more close look at like, well, what were we doing before and what do we do? What can we do now to be better so that it was worth all of that, that we like mm-hmm. set ourselves up for a better business service and just fulfillment and doing this for another 20 years. Well, it's the, we didn't know what we didn't know. Yeah. You know, when, when we were pre pandemic, it's, yeah, 40 classes a week, like 40 hours a week of coach time, walk in, do your thing. And of course we're going to make that available to you. And and we would never take that away. There's no reason to take that away. How does that possibly make the gym any better to take it away? Well, it yeah. got taken away. Yeah. And now you find out the way it makes the gym better is the coaches are all happier. 
mm-hmm. and they're able to earn similar incomes, your staff morale is higher. So your creative production is going to be better and higher output. Right. All of those things. And then look, we learn as we go, right? I want to make, I want, I want to take a little bit of a pivot because you were reflecting on something earlier before we started on the, uh, recording that I'm ex- that I experienced myself and the pandemic has amplified friends. Like when you're in the space of wanting to have intentional relationships in your family, wanting to have intentional value from your business and relationships with the staff who help you to execute the business, who you surround yourself with outside of those people becomes very selective at least I'm speaking from my own perspective and I'll let you share yours become selective and frankly difficult to find people who I want to spend time with Mm. talking, hanging out with laughing with just letting my guard completely down around. Mm -hmm. Do you find that to be true about yourself too? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I I would say the exercise that my wife and I have been going through is more of a thought exercise around this because Truthfully, we have still been essentially isolated from everybody. We don't, we don't, have, we don't, we're not like engaging in social interactions or anything like that. We've kept more or less quarantined the whole time, you know. Um, and part part of the reason for that is, you know, we have my parents who we desperately wanted to have in our bubble and you know connected to our kids' lives. You know, they're in their mid to late seventies and they're in good health, but it's just not a risk we want to take to expose them to you know, getting infected. And so we're not hanging out with friends. We're not doing that. Um, so I've had some virtual friendships that have kind of blossomed a little bit during this time. I got this, like <laughs> this three person men's group, like two of my buddies that we just, we get together every other week for an hour on zoom. And we just talk about what's like to be parents, be dads, you know, be men in this, you know, time frame. And, um, it's been great. It's been really, really nice. Um, but yeah, it's the question of like, well, how do I want to engage with relationships? Like, and I think that that's part of the reason why the gym was always such a sort of, I guess, something that I took for granted. But I also did appreciate about the gym and the community was here's a place where I get to go and interact with a lot of different people in person. I interact with hundreds of people, thousands of people daily on social media. Totally not the same, right? If I go and I see somebody, we exchange a hug, a handshake, a fist bump, a high five, and I ask them about how their kids are doing, or I ask them about their, you know, what they did over the weekend. Like that is a different type of connection that was just built into my life. And as somebody who's a little bit more introverted, who would prefer to probably have things kind of like I would live like a, you know, live in quarantine most of the time. I'm good with that. Um, it got me to expand as a person you know, and, and get out of, out of what would feel more comfortable to me. So that's the question that my wife and I like juggle with. We're like, what are we going to do? Like when, when things are open and like, we're going to get invitations to dinner parties or we're going to get, you know, someone's going to say, Hey, we want to hang out with you this weekend. And we're going to be like, do we want to hang out with you this weekend? Do we want to, that, do we want to spend the time with our kids and like get a good night's sleep? Like, what do we really, what do we really want to do? And like, what are we, what have we always just done because it's a social expectation of us? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's funny. My wife and I were talking yesterday and we were discussing that we don't have a tight group 
of like if we if we could go back to college, for example, and talk to the people who we were friends with then, we are still friends with all of them now. The problem is they live everywhere. You know, I got friends in Chicago, I got friends in California, I got friends in Florida, I got friends in Jersey, I got friends in Maryland, DC, Virginia, and and same with her. That group of people have taken similar paths in their lives that we have taken in terms of their careers. They have kids of similar age. They're still interested in similar things to us. Like they're not the same, but similar. If they were all around, we would be like, yeah, let's get together with this group of people like every day. Let's go to the beach in the summertime. Let's, let's hang out in the backyard and barbecue. Let's whatever. Let's do that. Let's co-parent our kids as a little group. They're not local. Mm-hmm. And, and creating those kinds of relationships locally are, you're exactly right. Like you get invited to dinner. It's, do I want to go? Or is, is this person just going to complain about their job mm-hmm. and their wife and their kids, which are three things in my life that I love? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and wouldn't complain about to anybody because I chose them. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. Totally. Yeah. And you know, it's like when, when we, when I stripped away, when we were, I guess, all forced to strip away all of the excess stuff or all of the options. And I think it's helped sharpen our focus on like, well, what, what do we really want? What do we really need? What, what really fulfills us and satisfies us? You know, and people ask the question now that's like common, you know, small talk. It's like, well, what are you looking forward to when this thing is over? What are you going to go with the first thing you're going to do? If everything went back to normal tomorrow, what would it be? And I'm like, I'm going to take my kids to Costco. We're not going to wear masks. We're going to sample every freaking thing that's out there. Cause they're actually going to be giving out samples again. We're going to leisurely take our time in the, you know, if we see somebody we know, we're going to stop and talk to them and give them a hug. And, and that's what we're going to do. <laughs> or, Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with my wife to a crowded movie theater. We're going to sit, you know, on the, in the aisle because that's where we sit over on the right. We're going to eat a big bag of popcorn. I'm going to be reaching into popcorn that's been touched by like 10 different hands of employees and I'm going to be fine with it. And I'm going to drink a Diet Coke and some peanut M&Ms and that's going to be great. And we're going to laugh and we're not going to worry about, you know, getting sick. And, but that's it. It's like, this is like, and then the rest of the time I'm like, I just want to be able to move my body. I want to be able to make a good meal. I want to play with the kids in the backyard. I can't wait to like, you know, get no on a bike so we can go on a bike ride. Uh, yeah, I don't need much more than that. Diet Coke. Diet Coke for sure. Not because it's <laughs> certainly not because it's healthy because I'm chasing it down with M&Ms and popcorn, but it just tastes delightful. I guess, I mean, look, minus the M&Ms and the popcorn and diet. I mean, at least it's diet. <laughs> I got zero calories just, in this drink. Okay? Yeah, I'm going to get the I'm gonna 2, get calories I have in this bag of popcorn. Right. And I'll get hate mail for saying diet is better than regular. So people who are listening, I'm not really saying diet is better. I, I it was a joke. Well, you know what? I think it started so, with like, just, I grew up with like a household where the parents were like drink diet beverages. Cause it was like the, you know, that was the, the, the era of right. like well marketed. Yeah. And then I was like, I got addicted to the flavor of it. Regular Coke is kind of sweet or something. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Marcus, um, you trademarked one of the smartest names for a business I think I've ever heard, functional bodybuilding. It's great. It's brilliant. 
Is there anything you want people to know about it before I let you go? And certainly I want you to let people know where they can find it, what it's all about, because, um, I just, I want people finding good places to go take care of their bodies and their minds. I think you're one of them. Oh, thanks for saying that. And, um, yeah, I mean, functional bodybuilding is the, uh, yeah, it's, it's the, it's, it's the brand, but it's just the method and it's the, it's the philosophy that, that I bring to training and, you know, what is functional training? It's anything that enhances your function in life. Right. And so you can't really just define that outside of the individual. Like what, what's functional for you? What's fun- but take a thousand people, define their function, put it on a chart, Venn diagram. There's a huge overlapping mm-hmm. section that we can pretty much all agree. Like this is functional and this lies outside of functional. So it's not such like a specific thing that is going to be nuanced for every person. Um, and bodybuilding is like, there's basic contractions that, you know, work well for developing muscle, getting muscles to contract hard and at high threshold and, you know, and enhance physiques and change physiques and, you know, build muscle hypertrophy. And, uh, those lend themselves really well to functional training, right? You don't have to move fast. You don't have to move complex. You don't have to chase a clock to be functional. You just have to do something that enhances your function. And that's what I realized more and more after my departure from CrossFit um, as a competitive athlete was to say, hey, you know what? This is this just all blends. It, it all fits together. And, you know, this was four years ago when I started talking about it. And now, you know, every training program out there is doing some form of function. Like a lot of them are doing some form of functional bodybuilding. Um, and it's not to say that I was doing an influence that, but it's just that that was the undercurrent that, that the audience wanted. It didn't hurt, man. It didn't hurt. No, I think it's definitely, I've had an influence on, I'm sure of it. Um, and so I'm here to continue to showcase training options and coaching options that really have that at the heart of what we do. It's like, we're going to blend this world of bodybuilding and functional training into something that ideal. I think, I think will ideally feel great for people and, and keep them feeling good, but also looking good. Right. So it's like, you don't Mm -hmm. have to just be all in on the looks and you don't have to be all in on performance. You can ride that middle line um, very effectively and get more people bought in for longer periods of time. Well, we could end up on a three hour podcast and we talked about how often you should chase the clock. That could be yeah, that, right? that could end up being a really long podcast. I'll end it right. I'll right. end it in the first minute. Never. <laughs> That'll be part three. I'll be your first part three episode person. We'll come there back we go. and do it. We, we can do yeah, part so they three. Can go, we can go to uh, revival-strength.com forward slash free, get on my newsletter and uh, get my, my weekly uh, training and nutrition tips that I send out uh, via newsletter. And then some training ideas, uh, training ideas every day over at, at Marcus Philly on Instagram. Perfect. Marcus, I appreciate you coming on today. Thank you, Sean. Thanks for having me again. Appreciate it. My pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Active Life Podcast. If you did, please be sure to head to wherever you listened to it and give us a quality review, as well as five stars if you can spare. If you want more from us, feel free to follow all of our social media accounts at Active Life Professional, Active Life RX, and Dr. Sean Pastuch on Instagram. Remember, 
At Active Life, we believe that the healthcare clinic of the future is the gym, and the healthcare provider of the future is the coach. We also believe that that future is now.